And hello and welcome. I'm Reverend Cassandra Ray, Spiritual Director of the Center for Spiritual Living White Rock, and I am so grateful to be in community with you today and every Sunday. Our weekly Sunday gatherings are a lifeline for me, and I hope that they are for you too. And may this space serve as a refuge from your fears and worries, May it be an incubator for your dreams and intentions, and may it be a source of empowering ideas that reveal your spiritual magnificence. And as we begin our gathering today, I would like to respectfully acknowledge that I live and work on the traditional unceded territory of the Coast Salish nations, including Kwikwetlem, Tisleiwatuth, and Stalo nations. And so now I just realized my device is still on, so I'm going to silent my device and we're going to ground our time together in truth and spirit. So I invite you to turn within, to close your eyes if you feel comfortable doing so, and to enter into that heart space, dropping down into that place where the soul is there, that infinite self that is right here in this ever-present moment this individual connection to the divine, the source of all life. Yeah. Just breathing into that. I remember that this one source, this one power, this one consciousness, that it is infinite possibility. And that it is expanding and expressing with such creative power, wisdom, and grace that it is a, a deep and profound love. And so I take this moment to remember that I am an extension, an expression of this one source, that it is who and what I am. And so I lay aside resting all limiting ideas of myself, and I remember that there is no separation between the divine and me. And as I experience, recognize, and embody this oneness, I remember that it is true of each one present here right now, and how amazing it is to be nourished in spiritual community in this gathering where each one of us is loved and embraced, accepted, so that the magnificence, the truth of our spiritual being can come forward. I know that this time together is intuitively guided by this inner wisdom, this inner presence of the one, and that as we come together, that each one is lifted up in this truth. That this spirit and this unconditional love enwraps and enfolds each one of us right where we're at. Providing strength and comfort. Providing guidance and protection. I am so grateful for the possibility to come together through this technology that 
keeps us connected. I'm grateful for the expression of health and wholeness as it shows up, not only between us here, but through each and every one. I remember the truth of our being as wholeness, and I'm grateful for the ways in which it expresses. I bless each and every health care worker, each and every essential worker that continues to show up for the health and well-being and safety of the community. It's with this love and gratitude of coming together that I release my word into that divine law of mind, knowing it is done. I let it be, and so it is. So at almost 80 years old, Parker Palmer wrote a book on aging as a passage of discovery and engagement. It's a beautiful, self-reflective book on what he's learned and learning about the self and the world. And it's, it's a beautiful cover too. <laughs> and he invites us to reflect as well. And it's been our book of the month for September 2020. And honestly, this little treasure of a book has been a lifeline for me. I mean, in September alone, we've faced forest fires, some of the worst air quality in the world, the death of Supreme Court jurist Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and the injustice of Breonna Taylor's murder, like going unaccounted for. You know, honestly, each day, my heart and my mind are full and they're heavy. And this is one of the things that brings me back to that truth inside that is more powerful than anything that we're facing as humans. And the, the cool thing about this little book is, you know, he actually writes about all these topics that I just said we're going through. I mean, and he wrote it like a couple years ago, or at least it was just published, but you know, he wrote it back before these things happen. But I kid you not, he talks about forest fires, politics, religion, white supremacy, intergenerational activism. And of course, he also writes about death. In fact, the title of today's talk, where we go when we die, is the title of a chapter in this book. And I write talk titles and descriptions, you know, a few weeks or a month, you know, before we actually have them. And so when I saw this chapter title, I thought, ooh, this will be good. So I wrote it out and, and I hadn't yet read the chapter. <laughs> I wrote the title and the description, hadn't yet read the chapter. So then I sat down to read the chapter and I was like, yes, I'm going to get some juicy answers about where we go when we die. Well, guess what? He doesn't give an answer to the question. <laughs> what? He only asks the question. I mean, that's so Parker Palmer <laughs> of him. And I should have known something was amiss 
when this turned out to be the shortest chapter in the book at only 11 pages long. And it's kind of a short book. I mean, like, you know, it's not that tall. So <laughs> 11 pages in a book this size is not very many words. Well, I guess the answer to what happens to us after death can truly only be answered by making that journey oneself. And each one of us must decide for ourselves what we will make of death while we live. But I am going to share some really interesting thoughts and theories with you. And I'm going to start with a story. Now this story doesn't actually come from Parker Palmer's book. It comes from, from this book. And in 2006, a woman named Anita Morjani went into a coma and died. She left her body and had what is called a near-death experience. She returned to her body and lived to report back to us what it was like. And in her book, Dying to Be Me, that's this one, she tells us about her journey from cancer to near death to true healing. And that's the subtitle of her book. When her consciousness first left her body, she describes it as expanding until there was no separation between her and everything else. She became everything and everyone. She could feel and hear everyone that was connected to her, even her brother who was thousands of miles away, getting on an airplane rushing to her bedside. She was no longer restricted by time and space. She felt a sense of freedom and liberation from the pain of her physical body. She had been canceled, battling cancer for four years at this point. But now she felt what she described as joy mixed with a generous sprinkling of jubilation and happiness. Now there aren't words to truly explain her experience, but here's what she said, and I quote, what I can only describe as superb and glorious, unconditional love surrounded me, wrapping me tight as I continued to let go. So she describes it as not really going somewhere, but more like an awakening. And her soul was finally realizing its true magnificence. She says, love, joy, ecstasy, and awe poured into me, through me, and engulfed me. And it was... In what she describes as this heightened awareness in an expanded realm, she saw herself as a thread woven in an infinite tapestry. And all the other threads were people she'd known and connected with in her life. And she writes, every single encounter was woven together to create the fabric that was the sum of my life up to this point. I may have been only one thread, yet I was integral to the overall finished picture. And it was with this vision in mind of herself as a thread in this infinite tapestry 
now she knew that she owed it to herself and to all others to always be an expression of her own unique essence. And here's what she said about where you go when you die. There I was without my body or any of my physical traits, yet my pure essence continued to exist and it was not a reduced element of my whole self. In fact, it felt far greater and more intense and expansive than my physical being, magnificent in fact. I felt eternal as if I'd always existed and always would without beginning or end. I was filled with the knowledge that I was simply magnificent. Wow. So on the inside, she felt her pure, eternal essence and spiritual magnificence. And on the outside, she felt herself enveloped in a sea of unconditional love and acceptance. This experience softened her view of herself. And she wondered, like, why have I always been so harsh and critical of, of myself? She wondered why, why she wasn't able to really let herself off the hook and give herself some grace when she was walking this human life. You see, within this love and acceptance, she had a new understanding of her inherent worth and value. She now knew she didn't need to do anything to earn love. She was worthy of love simply because she existed. In this other realm, she faced a decision. Would she continue on and leave her physical body? Or would she go back and live this human life again? She didn't automatically choose to come back. She actually didn't want to leave the sensation of joy, love, and wholeness. But she also knew that if she returned, her body would heal. And she had a sense of purpose, that there was a, some purpose that she still needed to fill. She didn't know what it was, but she knew she was now able to allow this purpose to unfold. Now, I want to also say, especially for those who have lost dear beloved ones in your life, she did also say that two very important people from her life who had passed before her were there to greet her in this other realm. And that um, all she felt from them and for them was unconditional love, even though their human relationships hadn't been perfect. All that remained in this new realm was the unconditional love at its core. So she chose to come back to her human life and she has a message for us. Her purpose, her teaching is for her to show us how to allow the purpose within us to unfold. 
just like she has experienced. So while I have literally only given you a tiny glimpse into her story, and this book, Dying to Be Me, um, I read it in, in like an afternoon or two afternoons maybe because it's, it, it's her memoir. She's just telling a story and woven into it are these deep spiritual principles. It's a really beautiful book. I highly recommend it. Um, but I want to, I'm going to tell you the ending. <laughs> I haven't told you all the things that she goes through, but I am going to tell you the ending. So spoiler alert. Uh, she instructs us three things. And the first one is love yourself unconditionally. Love yourself unconditionally. The second one is to be yourself fearlessly. Be yourself fearlessly. I love how these two things go hand in hand, right? love yourself and be yourself and how they they actually empower each other it's like when you love yourself you can be yourself and when you are yourself you can truly love yourself because you're not pretending you're not hiding you are allowing that magnificence that is you to be alive in the world and the, the third the third message that she has in her book is to enjoy yourself and not take yourself or life too seriously. So as you're loving yourself and being yourself, you also can enjoy as much of it as you can. And I truly believe that Parker Palmer would agree with Anita Morjani's instructions. So in his 11-page chapter on where we go after we die, he shares with us the Benedictine precept to keep death daily before one's eyes. Now, initially, Palmer reacts to this idea with resistance, like who wants to think about death every day? But now he understands the brilliance of it, as explained by this quote from Brother David Stendhal Rast, a, a Benedictine monk, who said this, the finality of death is meant to challenge us to decision, the decision to be fully present here now, and so begin eternal life. For eternity, rightly understood, is not the perpetuation of time on and on, but rather the overcoming of time by the now that does not pass away. Mm, the now that does not pass away. Okay, I see that here Palmer explains that keeping death daily before one's eyes does not mean looking away from one's life. It means looking more deeply into it. So that when we understand the time-limited gift of this human life, that that is meant to inspire us to live authentically in the moment. So Palmer concludes, the most important thing we can do to prepare for death 
is to show up as our true selves as often as we can while we have life. As Brother David says, it's vital to be fully present in the moment and to be present with all we have, aware of our shadow as well as our light. Yeah, I think you would agree with Anita Morshani. And of course, I can't give a talk on where we go when we die without checking in with the founder and author of Science of Mind, Dr. Ernest Holmes. I love my forays into the text and the glossary and the concordance so that I can dig and, and dig and find out, okay, well, what did Dr. Holmes have to say about this topic? We do this every week. It's truly like the joy, you know, of my, my week is researching and writing and coming together and sharing with you all what I discover. So here's what I discovered about Dr. Holmes. He writes, we know that we are made of eternal stuff fashioned after a divine plan. Yeah, eternal stuff. So today I'm reminding you that you are made of eternal stuff you, and you come from a divine plan. Last week, we talked about this divine plan being nothing else other than love. So you, if you wanna hear more about that, you can go back and listen to last week's talk. And I thought it would be really interesting though to just share with you what Dr. Holmes believed personally about this question. Because sometimes there's like, you know, even as ministers, right? We have our personal ideas and then we have ideas that we prepare that are more theological. And so he shares his personal belief about where we go when we die in the Science of Mind text on page 385. And here's what he writes. I believe in the continuation of the personal life beyond the grave, in the continuity of the individual stream of consciousness with a full recollection of itself and the ability to know and to make itself known. So Dr. Holmes goes on to say that after death, each one of us maintains a continuous stream of the same consciousness and self-knowingness that you now possess and that we are immortal now. He says, our contention is not that the dead person live again, but that a living person never dies. A living person never dies. And so we prepare not to die, but to live, he writes. We prepare not to die, but to live. And in the study course of the science of mind, Dr. Holmes teaches that there is a divine person in back of the personality. So each one of us has this divine person in back of our personality. And this divine person is a unique manifestation of God itself. And so he instructs us to study, not to be alike, but rather to develop what we really are. And Anita Morjani tells us, to love yourself unconditionally, to be yourself fearlessly, and to have fun along the way. And this is the roadmap 
for allowing this divine person who is alive right now, eternal right now, to live life to the fullest. And Dr. Holm writes, to find this true center, this divine person, is the end and aim of our search. This divine person within us has, in a sense, one hand placed in the hand of God and the other outstretched to humanity. So whether or not we have an answer to where we go when we die, my hope is that today has inspired you to live fully right now. And Parker Palmer says, nothing makes me more grateful for life, even in the hard times, than remembering that it is a pure gift that I didn't earn and won't have forever. I'll just add, you won't have this version of it forever. So please love yourself, be yourself fearlessly and enjoy yourself along the way as much as you can, knowing that your divine person, your infinite self is always with you, guiding you, protecting you and shining a light, a path of light into the darkness the world needs our love right now. The world needs our courage right now, today. And I believe that it is your authentic expression that has the power to heal and to create. And together, when we do this together, when we are loving, and courageously expressing ourselves together, it amplifies that power, creating that vibration that invites even more people to step into it, embracing and loving yourself, because that is how we allow the divine person to rise up to rise up within ourselves, to come forward, and to show each one of us individually and uniquely what is ours to do and what is ours to be. Because underneath it all, no matter what you're going through, no matter how hard it is or how much loss you've experienced in your life, underneath all of that is your magnificence. It is here right now. It is eternal, never to leave you, always to guide you. And thank you for the privilege of walking hand in hand. May each one of us bring out the magnificence in each other. And may we shine that light out into the world. And so it is. Hey, thanks for tuning in. We're supported 100% by your generous contributions. If you found value in this episode, please give online at csl-whiterock.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for our newsletter so that you'll be notified of future episodes as well as ways to connect, learn, and grow. 
Thank you and abundant blessings on your path.